you just heard Angel Meat Part 2. I don't know where Part 1 is, but somewhere. That was Salt Rubbed Eyes by Seance. This is the Requiem Metal Podcast. I'm Mark. And I'm Jason. And yeah, the the mystery of if anyone knows uh, where Part 1 is, uh, you just listened to the demos recently <laughs> and it didn't show up on any of the I didn't read the, the lyrics. Demos. I don't know if there's some type of yeah. you know, news alert. I've seen that too, before. But... It seems like that's something like that Panthimonium and other bands like kind of cleverly do is like the sequels to non-sequels and things like oh, that as a kid everything's gotta be connected somehow and you know like sure kids are probably i don't know how old they were probably like i would think in their early te- mid-teens late teens when they did this yeah uh probably by the time they did their, salt ribbed eyes i'm sure they're in their mid 20s. to late 40s right now i would think yeah. maybe who knows so seance is uh we're back to sweden it's been a while uh, so I don't remember the last time we went to Sweden. I know. We, we kind of purposely avoided Sweden for a while just because it almost became cliche that we were like the, the Swedish metal show there for a while. We burned through all the stuff we knew really well in Sweden. <laughs> and then this was this has always been a band that, I mean, they're interconnected to a lot of pretty important bigger bands now. Like, you know, the, well, Witchery was and, you know, there's the the Haunted. At the Gates, the Haunted Connection. Yeah. I mean, the Haunted's not so, well, in our spectrum, isn't really so big anymore. And we can get kind of get into that a little bit. Yeah, they were big there for three or four records. Like I was legitimately kind of into stuff. them. Like they're oh no, I think they're still like kind of big, but I yeah. don't pay any attention to the I haunted anymore. No, I don't really care. I think I cared about them for like three albums, and that was about it. I like haunted so. made me do it, and uh, one kill wonder was pretty. Yeah, good, the debut, the first one. I don't like the debut. Really? No, it's too. There's not enough going on. The screaminess. There's there's some like songs the, in the I don't middle. Like the vocals at all. Yeah, that was the problem. The, the hardcore kind of vocals yeah. and stuff. Well, so the last time we joined you, the last time you, hopefully, if you're a, a valued listener, uh, we kind of finished out part three of Paradise Lost, and I thought it was worth mentioning that, you know, when we recorded that third part, we had no idea that there was a, a brand new Paradise Lost kind of on the horizon, and Mark and yeah. I have had an opportunity to actually hear Medusa, so for those of you that really enjoyed that Paradise Lost uh, three-parter, just kind of mentioning that Medusa is going to be very impressive, uh, and you can kind of check out the the track that's floating around YouTube right now that sounds pretty typo negative-ish. negative-ish. Uh, yeah. What's, uh, what, what's the, the longest the, winner? Longest winner, yeah. And so and you got to review Medusa a little bit and do some illustrations for it for Decibel, which was uh, a real treat for you. Yeah, I had to get the go-ahead from the label to say, is this cool that this guy gets this? And yeah. I've listened to it about 40 times, so yeah. at least... I've, through Mark, I've had the opportunity to hear it a few times, and it's, uh, it's pretty good. So uh, it's, if you dug the end of part three, you're going to be very happy with the direction that the band has chosen to go they've, in. they've yet to spin their wheels mm-hmm. i think they they maybe did it you know almost not even then you know when the they kind of came out of believe in nothing and into the new era with the self-titled and in requiem and all that stuff it always moved just a little bit and this one's different in a great way yeah yeah so i thought it was cool that like i said that they kind of embraced some of the typo negative stuff because it was something like you and i i kind of mentioned it offhand it to you and here you know that i was starting to hear like yeah. little bits of like october rust kind of in there sonically and, for sure and then all of a sudden that new track has a real there's tone a, to it that that reminds you of, of some of the october rust stuff there's but. a the, the, well this will be last the paradise lost and we'll get on to, to seance but there's a pretty interesting well funny little historical thing you can watch on youtube of gregor mcintosh interviewing peter Steele. oh yeah for, for like the european headbangers ball or something they're in a completely like gelled and green lights and stuff it's, oh cool so it's probably like draconian. Okay, that would, that would that make era. sense because that was right when Bloody Kisses was blown up. Was ninety five? Yeah, right when draconian was coming out. So, um, yeah. And then one other thing, kind of wanted to mention is I think by the time this episode gets up, uh, I've been sort of investigating Patreon quite a bit. 
um, and trying to play around with whether or not we're going to you know, violate copyright laws or anything since we do play copyrighted music. But mm-hmm. because it is a free podcast, I think we're, we're in the clear because it basically essentially just be kind of people that are, you know, donations and stuff like that who are, you know, like what we do, but they're not really paying to buy the podcast or anything, you know, yeah. so just be uh, people. So look for that. Uh, we'll probably, I'll throw some links up on our Facebook page and on Twitter and things like that. And hopefully by the time this episode gets up or, you know, forthcoming episodes, we'll, we'll have some Patreon stuff going. And we have some kind of cool ideas um, that I've taken from a podcast that I listen to called The Laps Fan, which actually I was telling Mark before uh, off mic that they actually name dropped us uh, a couple episodes back, which was cool. Because apparently someone out there, uh, a listener to, to our podcast, checked out Laps Fan because I, I had mentioned it was a, a cool podcast that I dug. So Shout out to whoever that fan was. Let me know. Shoot us a, a tweet or a, a Facebook message and be like, hey, I was the guy that, that wrote the letter in and, and kind of shouted you guys out. So, yeah, we but, always appreciate any of that stuff. It makes, makes it all worthwhile. Yeah, for sure. And we always appreciate getting letters and different things like that. But one of the things we're maybe thinking about doing is similar to what Laps Fan does where um, maybe every like you know two or three episodes we, we kind of pull like a Patreon's name out and then you can kind of give us a few choices of some things you really want us to do. and Which will be cool because it might challenge us to like have to investigate some things that maybe we're less familiar with and have to... You know, yeah. it's always cool to check out stuff as long as it's not like all like new hipster mall metal stuff, which I don't think people listening to our podcast are really going to do that to us. And so. if you if you want us want to get our opinion on it, you probably already know what. It's yeah, gonna exactly. be. I was going to say. <laughs> so. I mean, if you want us to eviscerate something for like an hour, I guess we can do that. You know, I mean, or we like, could probably entertain ourselves somehow. With yeah, it. don't say you want to hear Lincoln Park or yeah. anything like that either, because that's just you know, I just don't care. Yeah, exactly. There's not much we have to say about it. So, but anyways, back to Sweden and, and Seance. Um, Mark, this is a band that's kind of always, uh, you're obviously a little bit more familiar with them than I have, even though I own all three of their records. Uh, I guess I didn't grow up with them as much. It was kind of something, they were they were more or less done by the time I got into Swedish metal. They were done in 93. 93, yeah, which you know, you and Chris were graduating from high school then. Yeah. I, was a, I was a middle school kid at that point, so it was one of those bands that never like stuck to me as much because they just weren't putting out new material by the time I there got into stuff. always kind of a second tier periphery kind of band. I mean, a lot of black Mark stuff kind of seemed that way too. Cause it was, you know, you had, I don't know. Black Mark had really bad distribution, but then for a while, but then they kind of, I saw their stuff everywhere. Yeah. But you know, that black Mark is done, uh, put together by uh, Corthon's dad boss. Uh, yeah. What was his name? The name, uh, Fosberg. Yeah, well, Forsberg is his last name, and uh, B O R J E. So it could be Bourge or Bourget or, or something like that. But it's interesting um, about Blackmark while we're on the, the subject. I have a quote here, a couple quotes that I was going to read from uh, Daniel Eckerath's uh, Swedish death metal book. And it's a couple of quotes from, um, you're going to get into the band members here in a moment, from Patrick uh, Jensen, the guitar player for Seance. And he said, uh, hallelujah, I only sent our demo to Blackmark because I was such a huge Bathory fan. Uh, Boss turned up at a gig we did with Immolation, Massacre, and At the Gates in Uppsala, and he charmed us into signing like a used car salesman. <laughs> Later, we realized nothing worked on that label. Nothing. If we had signed with Nuclear Blast instead, things would probably have turned out very differently. And he also said um, in here, just 
There was no tour support. I don't think there was a lot of... It was just like, we can physically press your thing. Yeah. We've got a PR guy, but man... I never saw any of those Blackmark bands like here in the U.S. I mean, even Edge of Sanity, which seemed to be one of the bigger bands on that label. I don't think they ever toured. toured and things like that. So it was just purely, a, it seemed like a European thing. And then obviously mm-hmm. we got black mark stuff like at our, you know, the record store, but it I got service like, from them. But as far as seeing their stuff anywhere else, like, yeah, no way. Well, and then Jensen went on to say too, he said, Sance was formed. I'm sure you'll get into the origin stuff, but he says he it was formed out of total death and Oh Christ in 1990. And this time we went for intense death metal full ahead. We spent a lot of money to make our demo professional. And since all of us worked in a sob factory, we could afford it. Luckily, many labels were interested. In the end, we chose between Nuclear Blast and Blackmark. Or I guess we ended up on Blackmark since Boss called Nuclear Blast and said that we had already signed with them. Such a liar. Wow. So Hashtag sad. Yeah. So, you know, I, I don't know. I'm... <laughs> I, I don't know about the business practices of, of Blackmark, but I mean, there seems to be a consistent narrative from the things I've read about them that they're maybe not the most trustworthy. And uh, it's similar to Eric, you yeah, know, like that Digby kind of Digby kind of took off. advantage of people a little bit, even though he says he didn't. Like people knew what they were signing. Like, no, they're young kids; they don't understand the complexities mm-hmm. of you owning their, cop- their copyrighted music for <laughs> eternity, basically. For sure, yeah. So, but they're kind of from uh, an interesting. They're not from one of the major markets. Uh, yeah. You know, Gothenburg and Stockholm seem to be kind of the the two big scenes. You know, Linköping, Sweden, which yeah. is not a uh, the. I look through. I'm sure that there's probably more contemporary bands, but I was looking for more established bands that might have been their contemporaries. The biggest name band out of there now is Ghost. Oh, okay. Is, is from there. But so then, does yeah. that mean uh, Repugnant came from there? Probably too? I think they were a Stockholm or, band. Is it Rep- yeah, Repugnant became Ghost or some of those guys. I think did. they were a Stockholm band. Oh, were they? Okay. Than, yeah. Okay. Um, but, you know, Dawn, Satanic Slaughter. Oh, Dawn's from there? Yeah. Hmm. Those are kind of the, the bigger ones that kind of came out of that area. Because I know Grave came from that... That uh, weird peninsula or island or whatever. Um, it, it's Isn't it... It's, Oh, shit. I think it's it's something. It's it's a U word, I think. But they were like these more like remote. I guess I don't know how, what kind of city this is. But I know there's a university in oh, okay. uh, in Linköping. I'm not sure how what the population's like. But it's funny how these different little spots on, in the country make a completely different sound. Yeah, and it's I, like almost like the Greek city states in the ancient times, where like they're isolated geographically, and so they kind of create their own weird bizarre personalities yeah. you know or like they they have just a sound to them that's that's kind of altogether unique yeah you can't really you know peg it down to one specific thing but like some of the sand stuff almost sounds like they were they got like a third generation or 10th generation slayer tape yeah that had like degraded so much that it turned into something completely different or it's it's, well, it's an interesting, interesting sound because like that angel meat song that we we opened up with it has that really like kind of curious introduction which is so kick-ass and i remarked to mark that it reminded me of like taking two like weird carcass intros and like mixing them together it sounds like ruptured imperialists mixed with like corporal jigsaw quandary yeah because like, like the, dj's the, up there and mix the keno and like drum kick kind of thing going with like sort of the weird bizarre atmospheric like kind of nothingness it's almost thing. 30 seconds of just double bass and, and then you can hear those like screaming things being mm-hmm. echo- or pushed in and then at the i think 28 second mark the bass kicks in for another another twenty five seconds before the guitars even hit. Yeah, and that's the thing with with Sans, they're very <coughs> percussive. Um, like the the drums, the, all the the rhythm section is what's really more I think important than anything else in the 
as far as the like the propulsion to keep this thing going, the guitars are there, but even the guitars are really staccato and mm-hmm. um, there's like some dark tranquilityisms and you know, especially on, on and, Salt Rubbed Eyes, a lot yeah. of dark tranquilityisms. It's a much more melodic record than the yeah. one we're going to kind of turn to first, which is their debut forever, uh, for never, for never. I knew they I was going to do that. See, they never laid. They rest. make up words. For never is not a word. The the demo levitized spirit. Yep. And then I don't know if I don't think that's <laughs> reincarnage. And then there's something else that I don't think I wrote it down. But uh, as young you know young kids, you, you make up your own languages. I guess or whatever. It sounds cool. <laughs> so maybe maybe they were uh, a huge influence on Joss Whedon and his whole Buffy speak thing, where he would basically possibly uh, but turn not. turn nouns into <laughs> verbs and yeah. do all kinds of weird uh, lexicon stuff. I'm, I'm guessing no. Probably. <laughs> but we'll, we'll, we'll go through the lineup a little oh, bit. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Mickey, or Mickey, it's, it's been spelled a couple different ways. Flesh, is, it was his nickname. Uh, Peterson uh, is on drums. He's been through them, basically through all three records he's on there. And then he'll go on to Witchery, correct? Uh, yes. Yeah. And to... Satanic Slaughter. Satanic, well, uh, Satanic Slaughter came before this as well. Well... Supposedly, did it? But they weren't. I think somebody, uh, he, they, the main guy of that. I think they joined it at, at one point when they put out a record. I know. On I, I know who you're talking about. I can't remember what the main guy. Is I just read his name in his book ten minutes ago, and it's oh, okay. I totally forgot about it. But I think he started in like '85, which okay. is probably just yeah. I remember hearing that they were like you know, a, especially around. old. And then uh, Tony Kampfner, uh, Toxine, Toxine. Yeah, know him from from Witchery as well on guitar. Uh, Johan Larson, not the one that was in In Flames. Okay, he's on vocals. Bino Carlson on bass and Patrick Jensen on guitar, which Patrick Jensen, basically him and uh, and Tony wrote most of everything, including lyrics, Okay, for the first two records. And then the third one we'll talk about later, Awakening of the Gods, does not have Patrick Jensen on it at all. Oh, Jensen wasn't on that record? He nope. was so busy with The Haunted and other things, I guess? I don't, I don't know the circumstances huh. to it. The guy from Satanic Slaughter is uh, Stefan Carlson. Okay. So, or... Two S's. Zde... Stefan Dark. It's a Z instead of an S. Stefan Dark. So, pretty cool. But yeah, the the thing I think that you're going to hear about For Never Laid to Rest that's so fascinating, you were kind of talking about the, the rhythmic kind of riff patterns, is this band um, kind of stuck out like a sore thumb in comparison to a lot of the Swedish bands of, of 91 era because they were bathed in American death metal influence, especially the stuff going on in Florida. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of Deicide Legion in this record. Uh, I even pointed out that there's some of the kind of rhythmic, I don't want to call them hip-hop-isms, but the groove pockets that you hear on like the even... Bounce. Uh, like Ten Commandments from like Malevolent Creation. Yeah, or like, like the that. obituary kind of like how people don't just mosh, but they almost pogo in there. Yeah, you know. Yeah, like I was listening to Slaughter the Innocents from uh, from Malevolent Creation just to sort of compare because I was like, am I going crazy? Am I hearing this right? Because I the Deicide stuff's really obvious. Like yeah. that's the most obvious influence, especially the vocals on that first record uh, that we're gonna get into because there's a lot of Glenn Benton kind of stuff going on with that too. Yeah. But. Um, yeah, even like the the way that the bass is so pronounced has like an Alex Webster Cannibal Corpse kind of thing to it. How you can really like hear everything he's doing on bass on most of those Cannibal Corpse records. Yeah, you know, and you didn't always it's hear kinda... that with a lot of like the Swedish death metal because they were buried in that kind of uh, boss HM pedal kind of like warm tone. You couldn't hear like a lot of the intricacies of the yeah. bass and stuff. But 
Yeah, because it's even got a little bit of the Scott Carlson, like, blown out, sure. you know, bass sound, too. But it's so high in the mix. That's the thing. That's but, that's what I mean. It wasn't. It's not buried like you hear on a lot of the Swedish like, stuff. At least, you know, Tomb didn't dismember those, the people, you know, those kind of, the, the sound that I think most people associate the with Swedish The sunlight studio Death sound, yeah. Yeah, is very, uh, like, the mids and the highs are all, like, way up in the mix. Mm-hmm. And I don't think, you, like, this has much more of, like, breathing yeah, room to it, and that's well. where the groove pockets kind of come yeah. in. There's like these, yeah. There's, there's lots of air, airiness and stuff too. Breakdowns, is not, mosh pitch stuff, but yeah. just like the breaks where the drums go out and like the bass is still going. Like I don't hear much of that in a lot of a lot of modern stuff anymore. Yeah, even though I was look, look, go back to Paradise Lost, uh, listen to some of their older stuff where they have you know a, a bit of a break and then Steve Edmonds is you know does his little bass thing. Sure, it's like that's it's almost like an old thrash punk kind of thing that yeah and makes well, its way into this stuff a lot and just so i can kind of close the door on this but ekaroth uh the book the swedish death metal book which by the way if you don't have this book it's it's pretty amazing you know to have something this concentrated about something so specific you know yeah. just swedish death metal but he says like liars and wait sands didn't look very much to other swedish bands for inspiration instead they owe a lot to the americans in deicide everything including the songs the riffs and the vocals reeked of deicide uh, but it didn't matter since their music was delivered with such precision. The riffs flow very well and the drums hammer without mercy. Loads of tempo changes and breaks make the album interesting throughout. And the vocals are as beast-like as Glenn Benton's of Deicide were. Uh, I guess this was the album that gave previously unknown Burno Studio its niche within extreme metal. And I don't know a lot about what else came out of Burno Studios. I'd have to kind of yeah, cross-reference Because I know but. the guy that, at least that recorded uh, Salt Rub Dies, uh, went on to be in uh, Diabolique. Oh, he, he was yeah. just an engineer. I don't know who the producer was on... On the Diabolique stuff? Oh, or? I don't know. At that studio. I'm not sure oh, if he yeah. was the guy or not. Uh, it just says it was in Malmo. So... Okay. Is Malmo where Graves from? Is that what we're thinking of? Am I crazy? I it's don't like know. Ypsilana Some, somebody's or? from Malmo. Famous, and I'd have to look. Maybe what, it's... Uh, no, where Wattain's from? Oh, is it? Okay, that's what it is. Yeah, I knew it. Kind of sounded familiar. I think. I'm not sure. But, I need but to get I, a Swedish map on my yeah, wall no, no, pins where each <laughs> band's from. To but I think that's what's you know what's so cool. Like if you're kind of burnt out, I know people you know used to tease us that we do so much Swedish metal, but this in a way like fits right in with like a lot of the American death metal stuff. So if you're a fan of that kind of music, yeah, you know. But yet because it's foreign, it, it it's like Vader's like another band that you hear like little bits and pieces of like especially early Vader sprinkled throughout the first couple uh seance records and mm-hmm. that's another band that like they have a lot of american influence but because they're polish like they kind of put their own unique spin on it which the is language cool. barrier is always interesting with how they like make how they take themes and ideas and try to like turn the lyrics and like just don't know the language as well so like the things they come up with is way more interesting than yeah, some kids from florida talking about satan at yeah. least to me it was <laughs> yeah or just like you know cannibal corpse like yeah. brutal you know whatever violent lyrics and stuff like sure, that sure but you know it's 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 interesting but yet you can still sort of see the connections to other things that are going to happen like later in sweden like um you can hear like little rhythmic patterns that kind of predict like witchery or the haunted like mm, yeah there's there's like dark angel kind of like like you know speed thrash like Merciful sadist fate stuff kind of in there stuff too. in yep. there yep 
you know, where it's like the, the hyper speed kind of thrash stuff that uh, witchery kind of makes their whole reputation kind of on. Yeah, and the ever, even the haunted, even. The yeah. ever present, you know, Jeff Hanneman Slayer riff yeah. that comes up a million times in this, yeah. these records. So. And especially, I think, I, I feel like I hear a lot more of the, the Slayerisms and stuff on Salt Rubbed Eyes, maybe, but that's just. Yeah, in, in the back of my head, I'm not. Sh- I'm sure they're all over for never laid to rest. I just didn't notice them. Well, as we much. mentioned too the the times. Like the first record's like 30 minutes. The second's 36. Like blood. The third yeah. is 36. Like that's that's kind of refreshing to have a nice short to the point. Yeah, just record punchy. And there's also a cool pattern too, and you'll hear it in this next set. Uh, the first of of the three um, instrumentals on each album, mm-hmm. which is kind of a cool little pattern with like Winds of Gehenna and stuff. So. Um, so what what stands out to you like with these four songs that you kind of picked out for Never Laid to Rest? Um, Who will not be dead has like that cool breakdown with the breathing and the stuff. gasping breath, like the Forsaken off off the Intune Crawl EP. Yeah, which I always thought was a cool like it's so intense they have to stop to. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so I mean, there's that the the break, kind of the the whole package of what we talked about as far as the the breaks and then that weird like the undulating bounce. Uh, of the hooks and harmonies and stuff it's 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 a bizarre band because on, on first listen it just sounds kind of like straight ahead you know blistering fast death metal mm-hmm. but there's a lot of catchiness a lot of um well you hear like that, that bass breakdown a little bit near the end of who will not be dead and then even in reincarnage um because like that to me is like the standout track i feel like that's the song people talk about a it's lot it's one you i think you remember in your head yeah after it's the it earworms too. you yeah. know that kind of builds into your brain a little bit but reincarnate just has compositionally it just doesn't sound like much else i've heard from death metal of this era you know like yeah. even the american stuff it doesn't really sound it has like the influence of DSI, but I've never heard DSI do a song quite like this. DSI's way more straightforward, you know. Yeah, that's that was the thing because I I wouldn't have put the the DSI thing together, but I've never been much of a fan. I guess either. Legion just has this like sonic quality to it that's just really tight, and it's I don't know if it's that that Tampa Florida death metal just snappiness to Scott it. Scott Burns, yeah, production. it might be a little bit of that, but I hear bits of it, you know. Um, and then it's cool too that they they have a song on this record called Haunt It, which then Jensen will go on and form a band. I have no idea if there's <laughs> the haunted, yeah, the haunted. And then when we get to their kind of comeback record, they have a song that we'll talk about later called Forever Haunt It. So yeah, which who knows? It could just be it's like Angel random Part one, <laughs> yeah, ra- random coincidence or some kind of weird uh, you know connectivity. Ever, ever stuff. since me and Chris made the the connection, the the bolt thrower, you know, the, the mm-hmm. different songs. That are all in a trilogy and not just being lazy. I always try to f- see, see if there's, if there's something there's like that in you know in other things as well. Of but. Musical intangibilities. And then what about Wind of Gehenna? Anything that jumps out to you about that being a uh, death metal instrumental, which isn't like super common, I guess, it's, back then. And it's kind of like one of the most straight ahead Swedish tremolo picking kind of. Yeah, it makes sense that Dawn one. would come from this scene with yeah. like the kind of style of riffing that you kind of hear here. Yeah. You know. Yeah, just that, and I, these guys, I think, like a lot of bands that I enjoy they seem like they're, they're playing at the edge of their abilities too like they're really pushing themselves to the drums aren't always right on you know it's not they're not playing on a click track but you, it's got a lot of feeling to to everything like the drums are in bass again are just kind of like the stars of the show yeah and the and the guitars like the it almost seems like the guitars are pushed down just a little bit because they were like i don't know not played as well i don't know what what the justification maybe just the people didn't know what the 
how to produce this shit. Yeah, and I think Jensen's guitars could become a little bit more apparent on Salt Rubbed Eyes. Like, if yeah. that's where you, you start to hear a little bit more of, of the stuff kind of going on there. It's almost like a almost like a jazz setting to where you, you've got a rhythm section that locks everything down, and then you can improvise everything or weave in and around. around. Yeah. I, that kind of makes sense. And then it's, we'd be remiss, especially, you know, with you being such a huge fan and myself as well, to not mention that uh, it's a pretty awesome Dan Seagrave cover. Yeah. So the only one he did for for Sans. Yeah, he actually just put. I think he put some article up about that, and you can get prints of it again now. Oh, can you? Yeah, I saw he just did something uh, like a sequel to Clandestine cover. Yeah, it was, for, it was for the live Clandestine. Is that what that it was for? Nick Anderson was playing with. It was like the reformed lineup. Oh, cool. The Morbus Cron, his stepbrother, I think, on vocals. Oh, yeah. Or not? Yeah, he wasn't. He was doing vocals. It wasn't over. But yeah, I think they recorded that. It's going to be released sometime oh, next year. So. Sweet. So that's what the, the cover was for? Yeah. I saw it floating around. Yeah, it's yeah. pretty sweet. Nice. All right, well, let's get into some For Never Laid to Rest. Uh, we have Who Will Not Be Dead, then the aforementioned Reincarnage, Haunt It, and then Wind of Gehenna, the instrumental. And then we're going to close this set with uh, some more salt-rubbed eyes with Soul Erosion. Do I cry? There is no solution. 
That was Soul Erosion, Winds of Gehenna, Haunted, Reincarnage, and we started with Who Will Not Be Dead. So now, Mark, we are making this transition from uh, 1991 to 1993, uh, and we kind of mentioned Salt Rubbed Eyes at the beginning of the show when we opened with Angel Meat Part 2. Um, but what you hear in like a soul erosion here is you get like just they've they've really gone all in a lot on the breakdowns and the grooves and things like that. There was that it's sick like a breakdown approach to well, death for metal. sure. Yeah, you're you're right in that era of '93. You know, vulgar display is '92. You mm-hmm. know, white zombie is kind of night that last exorcisto was 92 as well so there seemed to be like a prevalent like thread kind of running through music in general music in general and if they're taking a lot of their cues from american metal which it seems they did on forever you know yeah. with the american maybe they're like they have a, a strange ear to like what was kind of happening in in the united it states could be because that's you know? i mean that's it's a weird it's I, there's never i've never heard a death metal record that sounds yeah it's like really this unique. it almost falls in the weird place between like that Pantera sound, like Ministry. Mm-hmm. Like got, that it does have some industrial vibes. Weird, too. like the, but there's like a, a sonic groove quality, like Psalm 69. Yeah, I mean, there's yeah. some bottom. But the, the drums, all that stuff's almost like a mechanical machinery kind of like sound in the background that yeah. propels through these whole things. But it's there's also kind of like a weird underlying like um, psychedelics. The wrong word, but like I mentioned, like I know what con- you mean. convulse and zizma. That like weird finish. Um, uh, where they almost use like major chords. Yeah, and it's just it's a little kind of sight. It's a little hippieish, yeah. you know. But yet it's yeah. still death metal, you yeah. know. Um, like it's, old it's like death metal played through Big Muff instead of an HM two. Yeah, yeah. It's got like a death metal meets like Fu Manchu riffy kind of quality yeah. to it, or something like that, or something like Serpentine about it. That's yeah. that's cool. And it's not, you know, obviously I think this was the era too in Sweden by '93 where we're talking about death and roll. You know, Wolverine Blues and Desultory is doing like some of mm-hmm. that stuff. Um, this is kind of like the opposite side of that, though. I was going to say to me, this is like I, I could connect it a little bit more to like Wolverine Blues, but stuff like Desultory like went like too far to the point where it was kind of like bland and, and like boring. Whereas mm-hmm. to me, Salt Rubbed Eyes has like uh, it still has kind of teeth to it. You know, it's got like it, they're not losing as much of that aggression that maybe like say people might have complained about Wolverine Blues with or something. Yeah, I think they actually I think the second record's actually better than and Forever. I, Forever. Yeah. I think just as far as like a artistic statement. Because it's, it's more so interesting, unique. it's yeah. more aggressive. It's just it's immersive. You can't I don't know, the whole thing's oppressing. It's like it's almost like a like a rain and blood. Mm-hmm. How it's just front to back. You're like I've never heard anything like that. not not to that level of like I've never heard anything like that. But well, as far as death metal production is, too, it's very like unique. it's it's up here. You know, yeah, it's like, like that, the right between your eyes. That's what Rick Rubin kind of did so uniquely on Rain and Blood is he took all that reverb out of the Metal Blade records and he just said he wanted like everything like right up front in front of you. You can't escape it. Yeah. You know, like it's just gonna beat you up a little bit while you're listening to it, which is. Cool. You know, it's a neat approach, especially when you have such kind of, like I said, warm, fun, groove riffing kind of mixed in with it. It makes for a pretty challenging, I think. I think that's maybe one of the reasons why Seance didn't go to that maybe next level because maybe people, they were a little obtuse for some people because they weren't straightforward with maybe what they were trying to do, like say Wolverine Blues was. But, it wasn't uh, it? The whole death metal scene, too, it was just within a couple short years from like 88 to 93. It ran the gamut. Ninety three is really shit. on the downswing. Yeah, yeah. So it's like the, being that young and hungry. You got to think how much you change from junior high to high school, and then from high school to college, and 
you know, yeah. being a band for that long, it'd be weird to try to like not want to because we went through uh, phases of just listening to well, not just but adding jazz and indie rock and all kinds of other shit into sure. our listening repertoire. Yeah, and now I have like little bits of that that I keep with me, but I couldn't imagine just doing the straight and narrow only that all the ahead. time. Yeah. yeah, so I can totally see why they would wildly change like this. Even the lyrical themes and stuff aren't really that difference all the same kind of weird uh existential gore shit you know well, evil and the other that, thing but. too that you mentioned why we're kind of mentioning the lyrics is I, I don't think you mentioned it in the first set but you pointed out something about how um clear the the vocals are to be able to like hear what's actually being he enunciates really well like, like a like a david vincent kind of enunciation or carl willits or you know there's uh there's a handful of those death metal guys that can really like you yeah. hear every fucking word they're saying. Sure, sure. Instead of like the mush mouths of you know LG or something like that. Later on, he'd go on to be pretty, pretty uh, understandable. But yeah, and, this, and the power to the vocals too—they don't sound like the like Chris Barnes or the Glenn Benton, where it seems like it's almost like condensed or processed. It yeah, sounds like coughing on and stuff, yeah. right out of his diaphragm kind of yeah. thing, you know? Yeah, and that makes it easier sometimes to understand too because yeah. it's not so processed and stuff. But I mean, his like, vocal patterns help that too. But. Sure, I think the other thing that's like cool about this record too, and we're, we're gonna hear a couple more tunes from Salt Rubbed Eyes in the next set is, you know, the we talked about some of the bass production on For Never Laid to Rest, but this album has like all these like really weird like bass breakdowns and stuff like that. Yeah, that I just it sounds like, like a combine or something. Just like like this, there's like a bunch of. Like ambient noise around the bass as well. I don't know how they. I'd love to know how they recorded the thing. Mm-hmm. Like what kind of shit they did to it. It almost has like a Godflesh. Yeah, like for sure. And that's maybe where that kind industrial of vibe. vibe you're yeah. picking up on. You know, and it's weird because Godflesh, in a strange sort of way, with how they like did some of the rhythmic production, and this is going to be a completely like left field sort of comment, but they had a huge influence on like new metal. Oh yeah, you know corn and Deftones mm-hmm. and all those like corn worshipped at like the altar of Godflesh, and it's interesting because you point out like how maybe Pantera was like a weird, <laughs> but like they they are they're almost tapping into that like that pocket groove sort of thing that became so big in American metal in the second half of the nineties, you know? Yeah, and now um, it's completely gone. Yeah, now it's technicality. With the how retardedly technical can you be? Yeah, that's true. I guess with like the underground American scene, but I I still think like you have your Five finger death punch stuff in the mainstream. That's just dumb. You know, I derivative don't know Pantera if I've ever stuff. heard a full song. By it's them. just really bad Pantera, white zombie type stuff. Yeah, I, I just mean? don't. But like by reputation, the singers. No, same here. Yeah, I, I, I couldn't tell you. I just know they do like cover songs of stuff that I like and ruin it. I think. <laughs> I don't know. I, I have no idea. You know, like I, it's uh, what's Wagner say. Uh, I don't know how to like. I don't that. know how to like that. Yeah, it's a very Sorry, diplomatic I, I just don't think I know how to like that. And it's it's not made for it's not music made for me or you. So I, I get that part yeah. of it, you know. So, but yeah, like I think that's the cool part about songs like Soul Erosion is they have these like mosh pit worthy sort of parts to it, you know. And then we're gonna hear the title track and Skinless in the next set. And one of the things that's cool about Skinless is near the end of that song, you really start to hear the next phase of these guys, which is the witchery haunted phase. Like, it's, it's it's all over this record, and there's like a breakdown at the end of Skinless that reminds me of the like one of my newer favorite witchery songs. I don't know if it's like new, but newer to late two thousands like is don't the fear Storm the or Fear the Reaper, the one. Yeah, it's is that what the Storm's from? That's the only track. Yeah. yeah, and the Storm that like that Storm just has like 
one like riff after another and like sick just catchy breakdowns and there's like a sick kind of like breakdown in the middle of the storm that reminds me of kind of near the end of skinless which we're going to hear and you know i mean obviously these guys are part of that and so it makes sense that you're going to hear haunted stuff and witchery stuff and it's all predates it yeah all that stuff too so and yeah, I but think, you can it's funny how i never i guess because i became a big fan of witchery more so than haunted later on sure and then going back and listening to this, I was like, oh, shit, it was, it was there all along. It was along. there all along. Yeah. And see, I knew witchery before I ever knew seance, so that's weird. Yeah. Right? Yeah. You know, um, because... This is them just, yeah, going out and, you know, knocking it like, off. Like, were you aware of... when you bought witchery that it was the guys from seance? Like, was that in the back of your head? Or no, because just... usually they use pseudonyms for, like, I, oh, okay. I, Tony Campner, I never knew he was Toxine they until... They Toxine, yeah. I don't think he's called Toxine until that third record, until the third Sands record. Oh, really? They yeah. call him um, Awakening. Okay, I didn't even look at the credits. That, huh? Yeah, and Witchery is such an interesting band. I we've done a Witchery show before, but if you've not, if you're not really familiar with Witchery and you like some of the stuff on Salt Rub Dies, like go get the those first few Witcheries. You know, they're more. Yeah, it's like the what are they, like thrashy i guess yeah it's definitely like a death thrash groove kind of thing but like there's it's a just, sense of humor to it yeah it's just like it has like a merciful fate king diamond sort of vibe to some of like the stuff that they're doing but not like the, as, like, the power lyrical themes and stuff yeah, yeah. but it's, but all death metal vocals yeah and, and it's, it's almost uh, you could throw them in the same type of aesthetic as children of bodom where yeah. children of bodom is like a yingve malmstein with death metal vocals and i feel like witchery never got as big as they probably could have because they were so catchy like it I don't seemed think they toured yeah that must have been it. i saw witchery a couple times i actually saw them in italy they opened for uh my dying bride when i up in milan which was kind of <laughs> strange strange yeah it was a strange concert so that'd be cool though yeah it was fun they were they were just i mean they're exactly what they sound like a, they're perfect for live stuff yeah. it's just ripping catchy simple thrash riffs you know yeah bar music or something yeah exactly and so you can kind of hear that throughout like this this kind of you know record it's it's kind of there all over the place and so you know if that's your cup of tea then then for sure and there's even some stuff and uh, i'll point out a little bit more because we're going to end actually the whole show with something from salt rub dies but there's some um there's some cool parts that remind me of like the riff patterns of like newer testament and even like dark angel dark angel the the how because i but until maybe five years ago, I didn't really listen to much of Dark Angel. But now I think they're really they're awesome. fantastic. Yeah, I think I don't. I wasn't ready to want to like it or something at that point. But just how like catch the same the kind of time, yeah. yeah. It's the same kind of. It's everything's very like percussive. Mm-hmm. Like the guitars aren't the important part. It's like how driving everything else. And is. Hoglin is obviously the he's amazing of that band, yeah. you know. Yeah. So and you could kind of see a little bit of that with, with and it's yeah. not that technical, but it's fucking fast. Yes, <laughs> the, the, the hyperspeed like Sadist does kind of some of the same yeah. stuff too. You know. But uh, anything about Salt Rubbed Eyes? I talked about Skinless a little bit. The title track uh, jumps out to you? Just, well, the it's interesting how the... I, I made this kind of thing, comparison last night that uh, when I was writing notes and listening to this stuff again, how it's almost... There's very super traditional song structures. Mm-hmm. First chorus, great. Like, if this was a pop record, it'd be recorded the same way, where the drums, bass, rhythm section's kind of high in the mix, vocals are high, and then the, the guitars just kind of accent. Gotcha. Like if you're, you know, some kind of like, or uh, like an like an R, old R and B record or something, like yeah. a Phil Spector record, mm-hmm. but like death metal version. Death metal version. That's cool. I never thought of that, the death metal Phil Spector thing. So, okay, cool. Well, no let's... tambourine, unfortunately. What's that? No tambourine. I know you need like six more percussive things kind of happening. So that's what really got me about um, Godflesh and Pitchshifter. Is that fucking tambourine mm-hmm. that kept the instead of the highest that. 
when I start pointing things out in my rock history class, when we listen to like Be My Baby and um, Then He Kissed Me and, and stuff like that from the Ronettes and the Crystals, like I point out these little things and like it's like earworms. It like the kids like can't escape it. And then they're like, I love these songs. And I've heard these songs a million times, but I never knew what to listen to. Yeah. I just always heard like the, the melody the stuff up vocal front, line. you know? Yep. And then when you start paying attention to all the like the weird percussive stuff, so you're like, oh, okay, this is why Phil Spector's a freaking evil genius a friend of ours emphasis um, on the evil <laughs> he made us he made me and uh my wife uh, a playlist from where we're going up to the up which is about a six hour mm-hmm. drive that was just all of that kind of like 50s 60s oh really pop music that's yeah um like all kinds of shit but i was i commented to her and she had not she was like what are you talking about like i don't listen to music for that kind of shit it was like the whatever happened to the tambourine nobody used the fucking awesome. tambourine anymore like yeah. it was so great in the and it 60s adds such shit. like a, a deep like you it was know. like it's it was as catchy to me or as like uh, engaging to me as like how double bases. Yeah. The first time I heard Absolutely. that, I was like, "Fuck, that's great!" Like that's what I'm hooking on to. And you could tell tambourine. like people like probably like Lombardo like like appreciated that type yeah. of thing, you know, because he almost puts the textures into his drums of like the little little percussive emphases that he's you, the one that brought the the like basically ride riding the bell of the ride yeah. symbol really fast and like so that's going double time. That he brought that into music, and then it became into well, as far as death metal and sure. thrash that kind of came over. But that's more like a subtle jazz. And I bet you Hoglin, Hoglin and him used to like bounce a lot of ideas off of each other, percussive wise, because like well, Hoglin was like a he, drum he, he tech. He helped right? him. Yeah, he helped him with his double bass. Exactly. He's like, How do you do your double kicks like that? Yeah, because Hoglin could go way faster than you know than him. And they're, I think he's like Hoglin's probably ten years younger than him too. I know. That's cool, though. So, yeah, so it's interesting that the whole Dark Angel Slayer influences that we've sort of mentioned, so that's, like, seeping through the music somehow in yeah, this. Yeah, you know? So, cool. Well, let's get to uh, some more Salt Rubbed Eyes, and then we'll close with some Awakening of the Gods, which is the last comeback record, which we'll talk a little bit more about in our final talk set. So we've got the title track, Salt Rubbed Eyes, then Skinless, and then a trio of songs from Awakening of the Gods, They, Invocation, and Forever Haunted. Soil bad 
Yeah, man. 
That was Forever Haunted, Invocation, and They from Awakening of the Gods. And then we started things off with Skinless and Salt Rubbed Eyes from the Salt Rubbed Eyes record. And what's interesting about this Awakening of the Gods record, Mark, is these, this is a band that essentially disappeared for 15, 16 years. 16 years. And then just kind of picked up the, the thread. I mean, they never, on paper, from what I've read, ever broke up. They just kind of stayed yeah. technically active. If, if you want to use, like, Metal Archives as, like, the basis for this, too. It's but like, I think even Ekaroth even mentioned in his yeah. book that they were technically still active. You know? just, yeah, it took a hiatus. Yeah. But it's funny to see, because some of the guys were active in the scene still up to a certain point. But Well, yeah. But the vocalist had not, I don't think he did anything since. At okay, after anything, Sans, he didn't I do. didn't see anything else in my research. Some of the guys were in Diabolique, and then people in Witchery, Haunted, Yeah, the new, stuff. shit, I don't know if I have the other guy's name. Uh, is it... Oh, really the guy Kim that replaced Fox? Jensen, yeah, on guitar. He was a live Witchery guitar player too. Oh, is that weird? Okay, yeah. So, and it's weird because Jensen is Jensen still with Witchery, or I not? Think. Okay, I think it's he's weird that all those guys came back from Witchery, but not him. I'm not maybe, sure who maybe left. He had haunted obligations or something like that, and he couldn't. I mean, that's probably the bigger money maker for him. So sure. You got to kind of if you want to be a career musician, you got to kind of go with where the yeah where the people dictate you go. But I'm not sure. I've got I just got a promo. Well, that's a couple months ago. The newest witchery. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not sure who's in the band to be oh, honest yeah. anymore. Huh. I don't know if it's the same if the same drummer is still in the band. If Mickey's still playing with them or not, I have no idea. Because I know for no, because for a while it was Axel Rot from Opeth. yeah from from Opeth, yeah. So yeah, it might just be Jensen because Toxines hasn't been in the last couple. Yeah, he's been gone records. for a while. New guy's not that great. But I'd say for for being that long away, it's a it's a pretty impressive. I, I kind of point out it's like a mix of forever or ne- for never laid to rest and salt rubbed eyes. Kind of like it takes little elements of both. Yeah, but it's not necessarily as like groovy as salt rubbed eyes is, and it's not as American death metal as for never laid to rest. So it's kind of just its own. And it's not like the production is kind of like square in the middle between those two. They don't like the bass and, and drums and everything are up in the mix, but it's, it definitely has more of a modern, you know, production style mm. to it. But it's just, it's the same thing with like, you know, the guys from, um, you know, Andy Whale hadn't played in a band forever. And then he's Did back the with Memoriam, Memoriam and, you know, they're yeah. doing festivals. And even unanimated, we were talking, came out the same time. Unanimated's yeah. comeback record was like 2008, 2009. It was great. And that was, was really fantastic. Good. Yeah. That I think, they came out so similar, and I hadn't been as big of a seance guy. I was much more of a big unanimated fan, so I was pretty pumped. And I think I spent a lot longer with that record than I did, say, Awakening of the Gods. But sure. it's, it's still a fun, fun I think, record. I think I was excited because at that point, 2009 was kind of a glut of just ugh, the same old, same old crap. Uh-huh. And to have like a, a, a band kind of from my era. I was going to say, it's like a kind of a cool it was like, a nostalgia retro, thing. Retro for nostalgia sure. thing. But it's still, it's still, it's my least favorite of the three records. Yeah. But there's still some, you know, some interesting stuff on it. So well, they, like, they use a great song. Yeah, like uh, Forever Haunted, like has a cool dark tranquility, like gallery kind of riff, kind of going on for yeah. it. You know, um, I didn't take notes on Invocation. I can't remember much about that song. That was one that kind of tickled you. I have, yeah, on my description, it just says Slayer with an exclamation point. Slayer, yeah, yeah. Of course, it's all there. You know, so I mean. That that's the thing. There's nothing really, like I said, reinventing about Awakening of the Gods because it's not really advancing the salt rubbed eye thing. It's more taking, like I said, elements of both. But um, one of the songs we didn't play was an instrumental called Revel and Death, and I kind of point out that it was cool to hear like flamenco guitar and some just different things that were. Um, 
it reminded me of and the world return from terminal spirit disease where it had yeah. like an orchestral kind of sort of feel it totally had that that mid 90s mm-hmm. instrumental vibe which is i i'd kind Got of miss yeah. yeah and they also did the uh the flight of the wicked which is their flight of the bumblebee type thing that's Sounds like it's played on a bass. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> kind of a, a it's, Cliff Burton solo type thing. Or yeah, something, weird, you know? weird kind of out of the blue thing, but, yeah. you know, whatever. A bunch of old dudes having fun. But, you know, I mean, I don't know what the... Do you have any idea when you were doing your research what the status is with these guys? Are they, it says they're still active. They're still active. But. I think they've played a couple shows. I saw some YouTube footage from, like, 2015. Okay. They played, like, a festival or something in Sweden or a show in Sweden or something. Cool. But, cool. Um, it'd be interesting to see them live, but... There's not, there's not many of those bands anymore. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> For me, at least. Well, let us know what you thought. Uh, shoot us an email at requiempodcast at gmail.com. Check us out on Facebook, uh, Mark and Jason, or at Podcast Requiem on Twitter. And like I said, kind of be on the lookout for um, stuff with Patreon coming up soon. So if it's something you're a big fan of the podcast and maybe have been for, for years and would like to you know throw some support our way, uh, certainly we do this for free, you know, but you know, there are different costs. We just sure. bought new software and things like that. That is, that's the thing things. is like, there's only so long you can try to grit your teeth and use the same shitty yeah. stuff. So I, I upgraded to a better thing. I mean, this is a way better. Hopefully this sounds better to everybody. I've got much more like EQ kind of, uh, I got view, like view meters, all this stuff where I can actually kind of track things a little better than before. It was like, Oh, here's your quality and hit record. Yeah. And there you go. It was all about mic technique. Now this kind of like makes up for does, a little bit of does that. some of that. Yeah, but I'd like to get a, a better system where we're each on our own mic. Yeah, we can each wear headphones. We, so we can hear each other. And hear each other. Yep. And like the the podcast that I did for uh, the Blake Cider, the hard press one that I, I think I talked about before. That mm-hmm. was kind of how their studio source set up. Yeah, I saw, it was. I saw the software they used was some something I've never something never played used with, before. Yeah. But I've got a two channel mixer at home too. That maybe if, if I can. We can scratch together a little bit of money to get some decent, like Sure SM58 vocal mics. Mm-hmm. Well, I think too, if we if we did get some Patreon stuff going, I think that would be a, a little bit more of an incentive for us to probably put out more than maybe like one show a month, maybe do two a month or something like that, or you know, sure, just to, to get a little bit more because you know, with Mark and I both so busy, it's like we love doing it. It's kind of a fun hobby, and people want us to do more, but it's tough to find the time, especially when it's just like. Something we're doing kind of for shits and giggles, but it's an excuse people, to get together and people seem to appreciate it. Yeah, you know, so it's yeah. good. But uh, yeah, it makes so, us rediscover shit that we. Yeah, I was gonna say it, it forced forced me to buy things too, which is good <laughs> and bad, you know. But we're gonna we're gonna close things out with uh, an aforementioned kind of a the salt rubbed eyes kind of was the intro, the middle, and now it's gonna kind of take us on our way out. But it's uh, one of the other instrumentals, and this is the instrumental from Salt Rubbed Eyes, and it's called Hidden Under Scars. And uh, there's this is the song I think I mentioned. It has some really cool pockets in it that remind me of the riff patterns of like Newer Testament, Newer Dark Angel, things like that. Uh, and so you know, hopefully you'll kind of dig that. But uh, let us know what you thought about Seance. Let us know what you think if you're interested in the, the stuff, you know, like I said, with uh, Patreon. Hopefully that we get going on by the time this episode uploads. And enjoy Hidden Under Scars from Salt Rob Dies. So for Requiem Metal Podcast, I'm Jason. And I'm Mark.